0: I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show, because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out
1: there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Mike No Darius today. And yesterday we got some some good news that I think kind of represents the last gasp, last chances for the Lakers. Mike got an update on Anthony Davis. What do we know?
2: Yeah, this Pete you're right. This does represent sort of the last way to think about the Lakers having a chance to come and do something this season and it's that AD is very close to a return. So, to paraphrase Frank, he went through the full practice including some live scrimmaging and which meant, you know, no limitations to what he was doing in practice and they're they're now to the point where today as we're recording this they're you know probably ad's doing some treatment slash talking to the trainers and seeing how his foot and lower leg area responded to that full scrimmage and they did list him as doubtful for the game that so doubtful players very rarely play when they're listed as doubtful but it does happen sometimes and so you would say it's probably unlikely that he returns in dallas because of that but you can't rule out the next game or certainly Friday's home game against the Pelicans for AD to make his return, and of course this lines up with LeBron's ankle uh, being swollen from from when he sprained it against New Orleans when he landed on Jackson Hayes's foot at that ill uh, ill produced time, which has been sort of part of what the Lakers season has been, where a foot's just been in the wrong place, and AD and mm-hmm. LeBron happen to step on it, so that's been unfortunate, but that is good news on AD and you know we are at man almost to that 6 week mark remember it was AD had said 4 to 6 weeks he thought where you know the initial sign or the initial report was reevaluated in 4 weeks but AD had said yeah you know reevaluation but really the return is more like between that 4 and 6 week mark and i think we're we're almost getting to that 6 week mark so that makes sense it makes sense that the foot is just about good to go and There you go. Uh, So let's see. Right. Pete? Let's see now how how that can make an impact as this play in race has gotten quite tight with San Antonio winning all these games in a row and New Orleans beating the Lakers last game after that second half collapse.
1: Yeah, man, just in the nick of the time, as Mike's alluding to, Lakers are now only a half game up on the Spurs, who I believe have the tiebreaker. Actually, no, I think it's one one in this series. And then or is it two one? The Spurs, Spurs it's
2: two to two, but they have this they have the tiebreaker based on conference record. Conference record. Yeah. That's it.
1: Right. So the Spurs have the tiebreaker, so we can't tie them, right? That's something that we need to we need to win uh finish with a better record than them and they've got some easy ones i think now our schedules are closer to each other but um as you said i don't expect ad to play although i will say when AD or LeBron have been out with like multiple week injuries in the past. Typically, what we've seen happen is they are listed as doubtful the beginning of the day, the day that they come back. Because I don't think you want to set that expectation like questionable, they might play tonight. And then if they don't, you know, there's kind of reflects poorly on the player to the fans, right? So right. I I'm hoping that this is one of those situations where it's like, we're gonna list him as doubtful, but put him through his pregame stuff. If it works out. Maybe, but I do think that our next game is probably more likely or even Friday. Uh, And so what does it mean in the big picture, Mike? Like we've had with all of the, we've done a lot of things wrong (laughs) this season, but I think the, the biggest, ingredient in how things have gone have been that this is by design a top heavy team where three guys take up almost all of the salary on it and your two your two best players in particular have not played more than three games together more than once they've only they only did that once the first three games of the year and so mike you're you you preach from the pulpit of lebron and ad and and have for quite some time and we haven't had that Darius was talking about being an optimist recently. To me, that is like the best argument for it. And I can't wait to have him back to kind of get into that. But what what is the return of AD mean? Because if there's any little sliver of optimism that you have, it's got to be built around the idea of LeBron and AD playing together, hopefully for for more than three games for the first time this season.
2: Well, I was chuckling listening to you and Darius yesterday, because right at the end of the pod, you dropped a, essentially like I'm not going (laughs) to let you, you're not going to be able to be Switzerland, you know, In this context, getting in between me and Mike, and and I wasn't sure exactly what you meant, (laughs) but I can't I can't ask you until Darius is here um, so that we can go at him together on that. But, yeah, I I saw there's been a couple of different things that I've seen the last couple of days and somewhat of a reflection upon LeBron's tenure in Los Angeles and how, well, you have the one year, but the other ones have all gone bad, you know, essentially, or there's been something that's gone on in the other three. And Unfortunately, it's been the same exact thing as as the number one issue. This year has its own issues, I think, that are a little bit different. But the consistent point there has been injuries. In the first year, not only was it to him the Christmas Day injury against Golden State, but basically all of his good young teammates were Lonzo and Ingram both went down and missed almost the entire second half of the season. Anthony Davis, his first year with LeBron, largely stayed healthy, and as did LeBron, and they won the title. Last year, the Lakers season ended because Anthony Davis got hurt. Now, it was also impacted incredibly by the bubble, and I'll say bubble tax for the 95th time on this podcast, but that happened to the basically the entire team wore down, and it was Kuzma, it was Caruso, it was KCP. All the guys, by the time they got to that Phoenix series, were just wiped, and the thing that was going to be able to potentially carry them past that was a healthy AD in LeBron, and AD was not healthy. This year... A.D. has played 37 games. And and so it's one thing yeah. th- those previous times, it's one thing if you play 50, 60, you know, but you're at least there for most of the season. And this year, particularly with what the rest of the roster has been, A.D.'s lack of being on the court has been felt so much more, Pete, where there are only a couple guys in the league that really can do what he does. Uh, and, and I say a couple literally, like maybe Giannis you know, to, to some extent. Uh, and... Like, the idea of Evan Mobley defensively, but he's nowhere near there offensively. Sure, yet. you got like some young
1: guys. Jaron yeah. Jackson Jr. is another yeah, guy J- that can, like, if you squint your eyes, right? Yes. Robert Williams, who went down recently, really good defensively, right? You see kind of flickers of AD and other players, but there is really Giannis is the only other guy that, that can do what the, you know, total package of what AD can do.
2: Yeah. And, and so – and then, but in the past, Lakers have at least had, like last year, right? When you had Marcus where you could get the defense out of him and then he could space offensively. And you had Markeith Morris, who you could play smaller with, but still kind of get by with some spacing and some shot making um, and some defense. And you just had some bodies that you would trust to go out there in certain lineups. And the Lakers this year have had to fluctuate between Dwight Howard at the very late stage of his career, um, you know, and then. After that, it's just been super small guys like Stanley Johnson and Wendy and Gabriel most recently. And so it's just been – that part has been so much more difficult. But that's why when you, when you relitigate this whole four-year journey that LeBron's been here, and even if you want to take out the first two, which was the one where they were sort of building towards what they needed to be to win the title – it's really been about AD's health and because LeBron this year, his health has not been great. He's missed 20 games. It's about to, that's about to increase, but you know, he's, you've still gotten enough out of LeBron this year, you know, to have, to have a really good season, but it's that AD absence that's been killer. And, and so now to kind of merge that with where we started with, okay, he potentially is coming back. So what can he be now in what ADP do they need him to be? You know, what, Based on how they've been playing, based on what they need, are you are you looking to full Anthony Davis like on both ends dominant? Are you just wanting him to really focus and anchor on the defense and screen roll to the rim and occasionally pick and pop? Uh, like how much AD do you want and how much do you need it as the Lakers approach these playing games?
1: So I, I'd like to touch on your long view first before we uh, get into the present moment. In that I think you're spot on that it's been more about AD's help over the last couple of years. And that's one of the things that when we signed LeBron, he was going into what, his 16th season? He was about to start his 16th season. And there's a certain degree of like knowing what you're getting into, even the indomitable, indestructible LeBron James. At some point in that between season 16 and 20, which he signed through, like if you're expecting him to be the one guy that's playing 80, 78, 82 games in an 82 game season, because he was so durable throughout the vast majority of his career that I think that for me, at least there was an expectation that I don't think we're going to get that. And, but when you trade for a guy like Anthony Davis, that's now AD has injury history of his own that I think prior to these last two seasons, has been a a bit exaggerated. But the guy in his 20s, in his late 20s, in his physical prime is supposed to be the guy that carries that. And this isn't me finger pointing. Of course, he got injured and that's that's going to happen. But between that and then our roster construction, like you were referring to Mark Gasol and Markeith Morris, they're better than any of the people over 6'5 that we signed coming into this season. And so it's kind of this double whammy where you really need AD just as a part of being able to carry an older LeBron and just get through the season and rack up wins just to get to the postseason. You need him physically healthy to be able to do that. But also it's reflective of the weaknesses that we have on the roster. Like We couldn't afford Anthony Davis to go down because as we've seen, we don't have guys behind him that can fill in. Last year, that was Kyle Kuzma. It's like, hey, Kuz, we need you to take a few more shots. He's like, yeah, I can do that. Like that, And so let, let's take a break. When we come back, I kind of want to talk about that chain reaction of, of his return, because the circumstances are a little different than the last time that happened.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data And listeners of this show will get a seventy-five dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed. dot com slash Blue Wire. Just go to Indeed. dot com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed. dot com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: So Ad's return, I think takes up the minute total of about two role players, uh, in as a full time thirty-five minute per game type of starter, which I think now leads to some questions, more interesting questions than at any other point this season or the other times that he's returned from injury, in that I think that you gotta like we've got Stanley in the mix now, but we've also got winning Gabriel in the mix and Carmelo Anthony as well. And in prior times when AD's gone down and come back, <clears throat> it was pretty obvious like who would play in the other front court minutes. Whereas now I think that we've got a choice. You got between the three, four and five position that is what, 144 total minutes. And LeBron and AD are going to get about half of them. And then where do the rest of those go? And so Mike, I'm curious your your thoughts. And again, we'll we'll get into uh, AD, the version of AD I want to see, but I think there's some playing time things that become uh, a lot trickier than, than they were before. I'm curious how we navigate that.
2: First of all, just to touch on AD's injury history, I thought it too, when he came to the Lakers was a bit overblown in that he had never suffered a, you know, in knocking on wood here, but he had never suffered the type of major season ending surgery requiring injury. So he was, you know, he played 64 games as a rookie, then 67, then 68, then 61, then 75 back-to-back years, and then the year before he came to the Lakers, 56, but that could have been, you know, 75, right? They were holding him out of a bunch of those games, right. uh, especially late in the season. And so he had had, you know, shoulder strain and ankle sprain and, you know, knee tight, knee soreness, but never anything, you know, just stuff like that. And so that that injury history, if nothing else, it allows the team to have some continuity During the season when a guy is missing 20 games or 15 games, it's when you start to miss over half the year. And that's what these last two seasons have been that it gets tricky because then not only do you have to you have to figure out a way to plug somebody in, uh, in a sense, but it can't it's hard to find that rhythm back, you know, when a guy I don't even
1: know if we had it in. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. And and this year they didn't even have time to establish the rhythm, right? Because he's had two different injuries in which he's gone out at two different times. And and that's set aside the earlier season absence when it was just like the really minor thing. So it's just been that part of it has been a mess. And and yet the injuries that he suffered, they, too, have been, quote, unquote, minor and that he hasn't had to have surgery. Right. He avoided like he was actually saying he felt fortunate. The injury in Minnesota that looked really bad, yeah, on the court. Yeah, when, we
1: remember we were worried that was an ACL or something. Yeah, yeah I mean,
2: it's, it's, you know, dude just fell directly into his leg and it buckled, right? And so he's able to somehow avoid injury. Comes back from that, and looks great, like outplays Joel Embiid. You know, and especially in that game, is just just going off on Utah, and then he goes down with not with another injury that looked bad and could have been worse but it also that one also could have been better when a guy comes down and steps on somebody's foot like LeBron did you know where so it's just man it's been really unfortunate let's we, we all know that now we've established that now and in, in kind of to return to the point of what you're going to do if you're Frank Vogel and if you're the rotation and all that I mean so so let's say that AD in the first game or two maybe his minutes are closer to 25 30 right as they get him back to conditioning but pretty soon he's going to be bet- more like between 32 and 35 you would think. And I mean I think Pete the the first question and I want to I want to hit this I want to hit you with this is that with how Dwight is right now I still like the idea of playing Dwight maybe kind of once in a while for A good Uh 15 or so minutes, but not every game. And if and so let's say that it's against New Orleans again, and let's say it's Friday. Now, Dwight has not had the type of rest leading up to that game that I would like, because I'm I'm guessing he's going to have to play some uh, tonight and depending on what AD's status is in Utah. So that's the kind of game, especially on a back-to-back, where if AD's there, I'd rather just play AD. And But then the pushback, I think, from what the coaching staff has said all year is, well, if you get a matchup like – you know Jonas Valanciunas. That's the time where you especially want to have Dwight. And so my compromise would be okay. You know maybe give him the Bogans and it'd start out in that game some, and you know let Dwight bang and let them at least feel that post deterrence for a little bit. But then play small for almost the entire game and have AD soak up those minutes at the five. And because that to me is is just closer to how this team has played for most of the year. And then you pick between Gabriel and Johnson in certain spots, but. I would rather have Gabriel and Johnson play a little bit more, I think, or at least one of the two than Dwight.
1: Yeah, I, so I thought Dwight was really good in that first half against New Orleans. I, my argument against his usage was just that he doesn't have thirty-three minutes to give in a game, no matter. Even though right. I totally understand that the Jonas Valanciunas's are problematic for a team like us, and I think that the deployment of Dwight going forward is similar. Although I think that it's more, for example, Valanciunas will play and off of the. He has that second shift off of the bench, where normally we would have LeBron at the five. I think those are the times to put Dwight in the game. But I think it's also important that whatever little sliver of continuity we can establish in the last six, seven, eight games with AD, however long he plays, that it's important that we have a consistent starting lineup. And so I think that like Dwight off of the bench, and I'd really like to see Gabriel continue to start because he's got that some athleticism and some motor and can space the floor with that first unit in a way that that's one of the things with that first group, Mike, that we've talked about the sensitivity of the lineups where AD, and until he goes on a stretch where his jumper is really falling, I think that his lack of jump shooting needs to be accounted for with the other guys that are on the floor. And so that's why I'd like to see AD starting at the five, even against your Val- Valanciunas and all of that. And and if you need Dwight, then he's that off the bench guy, two shifts a game, yeah, give that. us twelve minutes. So that's kind of where I'm at there. Yeah.
2: I'm with that. Yeah, the so, question then just becomes more to me, kind of Stanley versus Gabriel, and you're probably not going to be able to play both. But it it also gets back to having like when you do go small, in being able to get the benefit of it by not having so many guys that can't shoot, which has been another issue this season, and especially now that they're you know they're not going to be playing. Allington. now you do get DJ Augustine which comes back and especially who's shooting 50 percent from three since he came to the Lakers so that's that's great that adjust, that adjusts things in some of those units but you know Stanley who is so who is the better three-point shooter Stanley Johnson or Wendy Gabriel well if you just watch them shoot in warm-ups you know it's probably Wendy Gabriel but I don't know Stanley has been knocking down some threes in recent games and I don't I don't I'll just kick that to you here quick for your answer. Like, who who is the better shooter slash spacer? And maybe since it's Wenyan from that position, he's the answer. But uh, what, what's your thought there?
1: I think it's Wenyan just because part of the reason Stanley's been shooting better is because people don't close out to him as hard. But part of the reason they don't close out to him as hard is he's pretty good off of the dribble and making those little drive and dish reads and all of that. So just the overall equation is, you know, I think Wenyan's a, a little bit better of a three-point shooter. He's a little streaky, right? I don't want to act like he's a sniper out there or anything, but he's a, a little bit better of a shooter, but he poses less of a threat if you close out to him hard. He can get all the way to the basket, but he's also going to commit some turnovers, maybe take a wild shot. He didn't have a lot in the way of breaks when he goes to attacking the basket. But uh, I do think that his, and, and, and it could vary, right? But I do think that Gabriel, in particular, from a, how we play him defensively, how does a defense play a guy, I think is important in that overall mix of the starting lineup. But in the overall big picture lineup questions, I think there's an intriguing guy that we haven't talked about yet in terms of his role. So let's take another break. When we come back, we'll get into that. I have really not liked what I've seen from Mello on tape over the last month or two, and Melo's been a guy that we have been in a pretty crappy year. Has been a guy we've been pretty happy with, and I I'm no different, right? And I I think what makes people like a guy is like, do you do the thing that you're supposed to do well, well? And like, if Carmelo Anthony gets beat on defense, but he's hitting his threes, it's like that that's the guy that I expected, and. On top of that, and Frank has really spoken to this a lot this season, is he's really given an earnest effort to communicate, to be engaged, and he's got all of that credibility from a Hall of Fame top 75 career. I also think that we've talked a lot about Dwight being out of gas. I think Melo is very much in that camp as well. Melo has assumed way more of a burden this year than he was supposed to, in large part because of the injuries to LeBron and AD. He is the guy that goes from 16 to 18 minutes to 24. He's had some mid-30s games this year, which was never supposed to be the case. And I've seen defensively, he's got very little to offer. And I think that under our current circumstances, the best thing we can do is get our defensive house in order as much as possible. And so, strictly from a pure basketball perspective, no politics. And again, that that word you know carries some connotation as though Melo doesn't deserve to play, which is not what I I think. But I think that right now we need to get our defensive house in order. And I'm seeing Melo kind of running on fumes, especially on the defensive end. But like. Are you going to go and be like, Melo? sorry, I know you're a Hall of Famer and you've been pretty good for us this year. You've done your job, but we're going to go with Wenyan Gabriel, who's on a you know, on on a two-way contract. We're going to give his, your minutes to him. That's a difficult ask, Mike. And so th- that happens sometimes in basketball where the kind of the personal side and the political side, which is very relevant. And this is how the world works, right? Kind of bumps into the practical side. So I'm curious your thoughts on that, because I think this is a dynamic that exists that wasn't there before last time AD played.
2: First to just give a little more color to what you were alluding to, Pete, uh, and how Melo has been around the team. He is one of the best guys in the league in terms of who everybody likes him. He's great with coaches. Yep. He's great with old, he's great with vets like LeBron. He's great with rookies uh, like Austin Reeves. He's just, he's cool. He's approachable. He's great with the media. He's just a, he's a good person. He's a good dude who kind of, mm-hmm. he he's a nice connective piece. And this is again, the ninth leading scorer mm-hmm. in NBA history. So I think sometimes when you, when you don't know Mello to that level, like the way that LeBron knows him or the way that somebody might've seen him in the past, and you're just looking at his net rating or something over the last couple of years and you watch him play in games and wait, man, he's still trying to get his own stuff on offense. And, and like, he's not really playing defense that well. I think that once he gets mm-hmm. into your locker room, a lot of that stuff is really easy to paper over because of how, uh, what a nice connective PC is. So that's one thing, but that also, that also doesn't give enough credit to the fact that he was better than expectation earlier in the season. And especially in those home games when he was shooting 75% from three for a good month and mm-hmm. the Lakers would not have won several of those games if he wasn't going nuclear like that. I think he built up some credit with the fan base and he built up some credit in the locker room as well. But you're right to point out the recent struggles, Pete, and just take March. All right. So if you're just going in and, and like net rating in March, Mello is a minus 14. So it's te- actually minus 13.8 mm. and Dwight is mm-hmm. minus 15.1. So THT mm-hmm. then is minus 12, Bradley is minus 10.7, and nobody else is worse than minus six. So this is again one of those stats where it doesn't tell you everything. And for context, LeBron is minus 5.5. 5. So it's not like the team has you know has a bunch of guys that are just crushing in the other lineups. Yeah,
1: we've been bad. News flash, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. So
2: but yeah. it's but I think that what we've been talking about, and some on the air here, some off, is that I think this has to, to do more than anything else with legs. And even in March, yeah. he's averaging 24 minutes per game, which is, let's see, which is fifth on the team. And the guys ahead of him are LeBron, Russ, and then two young guys, Malik Monk and Austin Reeves. And that's just, it's just too much. It's too much of an ask. And you do see it defensively because he's, although you're seeing it offensively too, like he's not shooting the ball particularly well uh, in, in this month compared to where to where he has been. And so, in fact, let me, let me pull that up to see exactly what he's, what he's shooting in March. So Melo, okay, well, a little bit better than I thought. 47% overall, 36% from three. So that actually that, – that is better than what I would have thought it would be. But I think that – let's now – if we can transition to solutions for this. Well, one yeah. is, to, is to give him a little time you know, in one of these games coming up and maybe that's the back-to-back like happened in Toronto – when he didn't play the front end of the back to back Toronto and Washington. And the other Pete is not having him be the low man on defense or <laughs> and, and like sure. protecting him. Sure, put more support yeah, around and, and him. And guess yeah. who yeah. guess the one person, the, the best person in the league that I would like to do that with would be Anthony Davis. And even That's if you right. want to do some with Dwight and, and have Dwight come off the bench with him for X amount of time, or like what I might do is pull A D earlier and then bring him back, you know, with that second unit and let him not only anchor it from a defensive standpoint, but let AD do a little bit more eating on the offensive end in those kind of groups. And basically splitting AD and LeBron more than we saw the Lakers have to when they won the title. You know, and I don't. Sure, mm-hmm. you can tie Russ. You can put Russ in there some places where you want. Like there's some things that Russ can do well in AD lineups in, in in addition. But I'm just thinking about Mello in this context and how to get a little bit more out of him and That, to me, is one of the things that automatically improves with Anthony Davis returning.
1: A hundred percent. And I think you could make that argument that he really slots all of the other role player bigs on this team. Because if you think of them as a collective, I think we got four role player bigs now. It's Stanley, Wenyon, Dwight, and Melo in in terms of options that can actually play. And if you think of them individually, they're all pretty different from each other, which is... It's good to have kind of different clubs in your bag as a coach. You were talking about how AD slots Melo into his right spot. And as you were saying that and talking about those home games earlier in the season, a big part of that was because it's LeBron and AD pick and rolls. We had several games. Oh, this this season, man. (laughs) We had several games. We're down the stretch. LeBron and AD high ball screen against Memphis, against Cleveland. Against a few like pretty good teams, where we'd score like eight straight possessions, and part of it was because you either got a hedge on LeBron. If you do that, you got to worry about freaking Anthony Davis rolling to the basket, and if you account for that, that means the weak side shooter is going to be open. And oh, that happens to be Carmelo Anthony, who's confident and has a high release point, and like those three together as a trio really accentuate why Melo was brought here in the first place. And one thing that Frank's been doing with his rotations that I've thought has been really cool, he made a sub in the last game and it didn't end up working out, but he's been doing this lately in a way that has stood out to me is that he feels like he needs a, a real shooter on the floor at all times. But he will vary their size based on the matchup of the team. So he subbed out Malik Monk. It it may have been the game before last, but he subbed out Malik Monk for Carmelo Anthony down the stretch in part because it's like, yeah, we need the shooting and spacing on the floor, but we also need a certain degree of size. You can. There are going to be times, though, where Dwight is more appropriate than Melo, or you need the spacing of Wenyon, but you also need an active defensive player, which Melo is not. You may need a ball handler and a guy who can operate in short-roll situations. And so when I look at that pool of guys, Mike, those four players, when you add Anthony Davis to the mix, all of a sudden it becomes a situation where it's like, okay, who are we playing tonight? Oh, this is a Wenyon game. This is a Stanley game, but it's not a Dwight game. This one is a Dwight game, but it's not a Melo game, right? And so – in that is, especially with Wenyan's addition, I think puts us in a different position than we were before the last time that we had Anthony Davis healthy.
2: You're right, and I'm not, I'm also th- thinking about how there are almost two camps right now, at least from what I'm seeing of Laker fans, and there's some that it's just like the season has been so difficult to watch; they're almost wanting it oh, to yeah. end. And then
1: what's the point? Yeah, please put us out of our and misery. There's another group <laughs> yeah.
2: who's saying, "Well, I'm." Like what Darius was Darius, the optimist, right? What Darius was saying last pod that you guys did where, Hey, until like, I'm still waiting to see AD come back, at least relatively healthy next to LeBron next to this group of guys around them that has gotten more athletic and has better energy. Right. And like just one last hope at seeing that. And, and I think there's, to me, <clears throat> I'm always going to be in the, in the side of hope in that context and not because you know i grew up a laker fan like you did but because it's a like my life is better when they're doing well and and b it's just that's that's what we should be trying to get out of sports in the first place you know if you want there's plenty of stuff in the real world to take the the negative approach to start with and in in fact there's plenty of stuff going around in the world right now with that where i think it's and, and again, part of that comes from protecting yourself against inevitable failure. But I don't think it has to be inevitable failure yet, um, just based on now that might come to fruit one if they get to round one and it's gets Phoenix, who's playing the best basketball in the league right now. And that may ultimately be where it ends. But you can't cut that short um, just for the sake of, you know, the play in tournament not going how you want to do they, they have to keep and the team. Frank Vogel leading the way has absolutely been on that front. So. I'm still now looking at like people are looking at the Spurs schedule a lot, including me. And the thing that helps the Spurs is they have the worst team in the NBA, Portland right now, who just shut down three of their essentially role players, having already shut down Damian Lillard. Like they just shut shut down Simons and Nurkic and Josh Hart. Right. So they they are playing almost no NBA players and they're both in San Antonio. But outside of those games, they've got Memphis at Denver at Minnesota, Golden State, Dallas. A lot of it depends on how much of those teams have to play for in terms of if their seating is locked in. But right now, almost none of those teams have locked in seating. You know, Denver and Minnesota are battling to get out of the play-in, and Dallas is battling to stay in a in you know trying to get in the top four. And that, so, Golden State they may be locked in, but uh, the second with the last game of the season. But so it's the same as the Lakers' schedule. Is my point, right? There, there's some teams the Lakers have. Where Denver could be locked in on that last day of the season. But does Denver say, you know what? Let's stay sharp. Let's start Jokic and just play him a little bit and try to knock the Lakers out of the playing game? Maybe. You know, so we we that's none of that stuff the Lakers can control. What they can control is playing better basketball once Anthony Davis comes back. And still being able to, as we've seen on a given night, LeBron, if he doesn't tweak that ankle, and I think it was Darius that made this point, the Lakers win that game. You know, they Lebron came yep. out, and, yep. and Lebron himself, let alone having a lieutenant in AD, on a given night where the Lakers have to win to maintain position, Lebron can still bring that, and and so that's the that's the way that I'm choosing to look at this final stretch of games. And it might not happen in Dallas, Pete, because of Lebron and AD not being available. It might not even happen in Utah, depending on how they want to play that back to back, since it's the the next game is at uh, sorry is home against new orleans but that game right there to me starts the next next group of laker games this season pete it's the it's the next new chance and i realize <laughs> it sounds silly when you talk about it but that's the position i think that the team and the coach have to be in that's the mindset that they have to be always in. yeah
1: the season starts today might my- no <laughs> uh I I think that in order to accomplish incredible things, you have to believe that you can do it in the first place. And that's something, honestly, I have a lot of questions about this team. I'm curious about the play-in from that mental perspective of like, if you lose this game, you can go home and this stupid season can all be over and you can move on from it, right? That's not my perspective at all. And this is something that my, my hospitalization was really formative in of like, just be be in the moment, worry about what you can control. I'll always remember in my recovery process, the physical therapist came in and was like, how many stairs do you have in your place? And at the time I was living in a, like, a three floor condo thing. And I was like, three flights of stairs. And I saw this like look flash over his face like, oh, shit, this is going to this is gonna take a while, right? Because I was in bad shape. I could barely move my arm. I could barely move at all. And I was like, listen, like, let's get to this door. You know what I mean? Let's yeah. get to the hospital door. Like, if I worry right now about the three flights of stairs that I have to climb in my current condition, it sounds so impossible that it makes me want to give up. And those three flights of stairs may as well be the NBA championship or whatever our preseason hopes were for this team. But really, it's just about getting to the door. And it's just about like doing what you can and staying in the moment. Today is all we ever have. Today is all we have the opportunity to impact. There's the past we can't change and the future we can alter. But there are so many variables that we can't make it certain. But we have to believe that we can get there in the first place to to do that. And so that's why I get a lot of that too, Mike. A lot of that like, Pete, bless your heart, man. But this season's over. It's been over for a minute. And that's probably true. Like if I had to bet money on it, that's probably what I would bet on. But there are a lot of talented people who have accomplished a lot in their careers. And there's always a chance to impact today no matter what you do, Mike, like you can, you can make today a little bit better. And eventually a bunch of today's end up resulting into a better tomorrow. And I think that that's where we are as a team right now.
2: Well, what's most important out of that is that you are doing better health wise and that you're able to tackle those three flights of stairs if you need to. That's right. So that's, that's a one. Right. And <laughs> I second that. to that is, you know, it's the whole, it's the whole basketball perspective coming in on what the Lakers thought they might get out of the season and where they're at now. And, and basically it doesn't matter. You know, it really doesn't matter. And this is also, this is all the context of what you were just talking about with your health situation or take whatever the, whatever you want to bring perspective into sports with. And maybe it's Ukraine, you know, right now, maybe it's something else that's going on in the world. And then, but that doesn't mean that sports isn't super important. And that it's, it's in fact, it's a, it's a major part of my life, major part of your life and my well being, and me being able to, to raise my kids. Right. And, and so it does, there's, it's sort of, sports can sort of be both and so can anything in life. And and why, why approach it with anything other than, all right, well, is there a chance today? And even if you get, if you get beaten down like this season has, has been beating everybody down, but the circumstances do keep changing for this team and they really do keep changing. And so, so Anthony Davis returning, it does provide that last glimmer of hope. Um, as to what it can become and and it's a legitimate glimmer of hope, Pete. It's not this is not something I think that that you and I or Frank Vogel or LeBron or anybody is trying to convey. The last thought I had about what you ju- you had just been saying was about how maybe there are some people that don't have that glimmer. And that is sometimes what you get when you have a mix of sort of the real grizzled bets and some of the young guys. And in mm-hmm. these type of cases, I'd rather have a team full of like the Memphis Grizzlies. With that oh, level of hope, however, the Lakers do have some of those guys, and the one the one you could probably guess it, but I'll just tell you since we're we'll play a guessing game again later when you and Darius can get mad again. Stanley Johnson, <laughs> I interviewed Stanley before the game in New Orleans, and I asked him a I think it was the third question in the interview, and it was something to do with the season and trying to salvage something out of this and how important the Pelicans game was, right? And he very earnestly, as if you've seen Stanley talk, he speaks very earnest yeah, guy. He yes, he almost he looked back at me, he's like, the goal is still to win the title. Like he's he is Hell yeah. he is still a true bull believer. Talk to him Stanley. So Stanley Johnson, now does every player on the roster share that view? I don't think so. You know, so I
1: that's why Stanley, that's why Stanley 30 minutes per game. That's why I've been advocating for him, man, is because before anything else, you gotta be able that's to right. believe. You have to yeah. like and he looked you in the eye and said that and believed it. So that shit.
2: and it and it's not that it's not just that simple because some of the guys I think that that would believe more don't trust something of their own condition or their own body when sure. they get out on the court. So that's also a natural human function. Like Stanley can believe that because Stanley can go out and just, just leave everything on the floor energy wise, and he might not make shots. A certain game, and he might not impact the game defensively in the wrong matchup, right? But I agree that there's some balance there of the experience and the skill set of a guy like Dwight against Lynch units for X amount of minutes. But then, all right, well, this, the spirit is not working. Sammy, get in the game. You know, there's this sure. is the mix that, that that's the Lakers did not have to deal with during their bubble run when all it all fell into place. All of it fell into place for most of the season, and it hasn't this year. But, you know, we've, I've gone on enough about this one, but my next and last focus will be AD's return. And like all of you, we will be watching very closely when that happens. Can't wait.
1: Hopefully it's tonight, but probably not. But either way, we'll be back tomorrow to cover how it goes. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time.
0: James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Kips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic
1: fires. It's good.
0: Loudly. Three seconds left. That next the winner. It's on the way. No! Tommy Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA finals record.
2: A lot of Laker fans I'm staying saying, around so for this.
0: You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP Here's chance right, in, in Boston, Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Toby. Toby. Believe. Are That's you kidding hit. me? Unreal! Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three point game.
2: Kobe Bryant picked
0: up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Two score, score, one. Missing. One it. it. victory. <laughs> it's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yeah with a little tap to Albert Gentry. That insult the injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding
2: me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's
0: good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James...